Welcome to I Guess We're Grownups Now. I'm Carrie Halstead. On today's episode, a frank, personal discussion about divorce, weddings, blending families, and self-care with the fabulous Sheena Greer. First, a little podcast business. I've loved hearing from listeners, including excellent feedback from my friends, but especially I've been grateful for feedback from people I haven't met from around the internet, including encouraging words from Ryan McCauley in Virginia. Good luck with the new baby, Ryan. Also, Kyle Hart in Oregon and Ellen Eisenberg in Arizona, who had a good topic suggestion, parenting adult children. Sounds like a good topic for a future episode. Thank you for all your continued interest and kind words about the show. I enjoy making it, and I'm glad people are enjoying listening. Last episode, I forgot about a couple standing items I wanted to work into each show. One is the quote of the episode. This week's quote is from video blogger Hank Green and summarizes well what I admire about today's guest, Sheena. He says, Being silly is still allowed, not excluded by adulthood. What's excluded by adulthood is thoughtlessness, so be thoughtful and silly. The second standing item is the acknowledgement of the episode, wherein I thank someone who has been an inspiration and a help to me, directly or indirectly, in the making of this podcast. Today's acknowledgement is to Heather Armstrong of Deuce.com, who I in no way know personally. Since 2004, she's been an inspiration for me as a woman about the web, a mother, and a person with a wide variety of interests and involvements. She's brutally honest and happily opens her life up to us, her readers, in ways we can identify with, commiserate with, and take encouragement from. Thank you for all that you are, Heather. Today, Sheena Greer, another Saskatoonian, a fundraising strategist for nonprofits, and one of the funniest, most open people I know on Twitter is my guest. Her excellent writing is the only reason I'll ever knowingly open a page in LinkedIn. As mentioned, we're talking about important grown-up things such as divorce, second marriages, and blended families, as well as key ideas like treat culture and self-care. Today's talk hits a lot of points on the I guess we're grown-ups now drinking game, so get your drinks or whatever and enjoy. Cue the theme music. What? Oh, oh, I'm being told there is no theme music. Hello, and welcome to I Guess We're Grownups Now. I'm Carrie Halstead, and joining me today is Sheena Greer. Hi, Sheena. Hi. Yay, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. I'm so us. glad to be here. Today, we are going to be talking about something very grown up, and that is divorce and second marriages and all kinds of other things that surround that. Um, I'm super excited about the topic and uh, I'm sure you're somewhat knowledgeable, at least your experience of the topic. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am 30 years old and I am currently married to my second partner and we come together merging two families who have lived through divorce. I have one child from my from my first marriage, a little guy who is five, and my husband has three children from a previous marriage who are, oh my goodness, 16 and a half, 
15 and 13. So we've got a wide variety of ages and and tantrum styles and and experience in parenting. What what else about me? Um, that feels you know that that feels like a pretty huge and encapsulating part of my life. <laughs> when I was small and I thought about you know what I wanted to be when I grew up, one of the most important things was always a mom. Um, and I always wanted a big family. And it's interesting that I have that now. Um, and it's not at all what I ever imagined it would have been. Besides my, my family, my kids, I'm a writer, nonprofit strategist, communicator, crazy person. Um, and it's, it's an interesting, full and exhausting life and, you know, so rewarding. Yeah, it's funny how uh, you have a vision of life when you're young. And in some ways, being grown up, all of that comes to fruition. And, and it's kind of exactly what you thought it would be in another but, but it's never the way you never get there the way you thought you would get there. Exactly. I mean, that's, I always wanted to be well, I wanted to be a mom, mm -hmm. which I have. I wanted to be a writer, which I have. And I wanted to be a member of Run DMC, which I never really realized. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to note that as like a small white farm girl in Saskatchewan, that my parents were like, they didn't, <laughs> they supported this, this idea that I would grow up to be like a really cool black guy. <laughs> I haven't I haven't found that and I, I you know I don't think I ever will but it's funny how those you know it's really cool I am a mom and I do get to write and you know I guess maybe in my car I get to in my own way be a member of Run DMC but um, things change right things change you never know what's gonna happen in the next few years technology <laughs> may facilitate your dreams Yes. And I mean, I can always be like a hologram of Tupac or something. Sure. And like, that would be, hey, that'd be all right. That would be all right. Actually, that that sounds really good. I might I might revisit my goals. Yes. You know, add it to like a, a LinkedIn, like career description. What are my networking goals? I need to figure out how to be a Tupac hologram in the next five years. <laughs> So if anyone in my network could like help me figure that out, that would be really great. Definitely. I'm sure if, if LinkedIn doesn't know how to do that, nobody knows. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of public discussion about divorce. And maybe it's because I haven't looked for it. But, but it's not something you overhear people talking um, honestly about. It seems like something that's punchlines to jokes in movies and stuff like that. It was sort of uh, impressive and surprising to me when I saw you and your first husband talk on Twitter with strangers, because I didn't know you then, even less than than I do now, um, to see you sort of talking about it openly. Yeah, well, you know, I think you're right. People don't talk about it. It shows up as, as, you know, a joke or whatever. And we also have heard, you know, a variety of statistics about, mm, you know, yeah. 50%, 60%, 75%. And as a young married woman, that's freaky. I met my first husband, Dean, when I was 20 years old. And do you really know yourself when you're 20? I didn't. No. And 
to those who do, I, I give my kudos and I will give my love and support. I didn't know who I was. Right. And, and it's not something, you know, it's like, honey, one day you're going to meet, you're going to meet a boy and you're going to fall in love and you're going to get married and you're going to have houses and potentially children and then you'll get divorced. And like that's not part of, of the narrative when you talk about relationships and and what they should be or or whatever. In terms of you know where what Dean and I went through, and I don't need to get into the, the yeah. nitty gritty details of that, but I think we were both people who were very young, and we were nervous about what it would mean in in a world and and from worlds where you know kind of the goal is to get married have kids you know do the career thing like sort of that typical like you know climb the ladder whatever I, I think we had really miscalculated where we would fit in with all of that mm -hmm. and Dean and I met and we had a, a wonderful friendship. He's to this day, he's, you know, he's still one of my favorite people. And that's kind of a weird thing to say. I don't know if a lot of ex-spouses can really say that, but, but he is, you know, yeah. he's funny and he's talented and he's sweet and he's also messed up and I was messed up and, you know, we've since healed in different ways and grown in different ways. And it came to a point where it was just like this this is probably going to kill both of us. Right. Um, and in different ways, we had, you know, suffocated or strangled each other. So to come to that realization when we had a very young child and, and sort of new, exciting things on the go, Dean is a musician. And at the time, I had started my own business and I was working with musicians and artists and working from home and being a stay-at-home mom and kind of, again, all of those dreams to wake up and, and realize that, yeah, you have, you have all that, but it's not right. Is like, it's a freaky realization that even to this day, I'm sometimes sort of like stupefied by <laughs> that over the last, you know, five years, my life has changed so dramatically. So let's talk about some concrete things. Um, Cause concrete is kind of fun too. So mm -hmm. weddings, so, okay, so some back history on me. I got married in 1995, and it was later that year that Martha Stewart came out with her landmark book about weddings that basically created the mega wedding industrial complex that there is today where everybody has like these high-class weddings. May I pause for a second? Yes. This is my theory. We Martha Stewart, of course, played a huge role in that. But do you know why we have weddings the way we do? It's because we all watched Father of the Bride with Steve Martin when we were kids. And oh. that was implanted in our head that we could all be like amazing princesses in our own homes and and our silly daddies would make it work. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> There was so much, even even if you get like premarital counseling or, you know, your parents talk to you a lot about it, there is so much focus on the wedding as an important part of your marriage that I don't think does us favors. No, certainly not. Certainly it, not. It's very distracting when you should be thinking about 
a lot of other very important things. So, so I had a 1995 wedding that was pretty tacky in retrospect. Like there were a lot of things about it that I would not do again in a second wedding. So how about- Was there fruitcake? No, that was the oh, one thing I am so proud of about my first wedding. Yes. My first wedding, my only wedding so far, um, is that uh, I resisted the laws that said you had to have a cake and we just passed on the cake because we didn't want a cake. But everything else, like that, even the things we hated that, but we felt pressured to do happened. Yeah. Anyway. Weddings. So yeah. did you, did you make changes like, did you go, oh, I get to do a wedding again and I'll improve it this way and this way and this way. Like, was there any of that? Yes and no. But I have to say that huh, to this day, I think that my first wedding is still one of my favorite parties. Well, that's good. <laughs> I come from a small town where like weddings are these huge things. Yes. And, and I think, comes. you know, the, the, yes. And anyone from Saskatchewan who's been to a small town wedding knows that it's like, it's not really a family thing. It's like a community and, you know, anyone who shows up with their, their grain truck full of beer kind of thing. Right. Um, so on my side of the family, there were those kinds of expectations to be, to be managed. Um, from Dean's side, he comes from a very, uh, very religious family, so it was sort of like the exact opposite. So what we needed to do was was create an event that was, you know, appropriate for both sides. That was tricky because, of course, parents, as anyone who's planned a wedding knows, parents have expectations and siblings have expectations and friends have expectations or whatever. What that first wedding looked like was um, my two older brothers were my were my bridesmaids. They wore jeans and like really cool at the time sort of like linen-y coats. They were, you know, they looked really cool. My dad was excited because he got to wear jeans. We had the ceremony was officiated by Dean's aunt and uncle who are ministers. Nice. And his grandfather who is who was a minister for kind of his entire life got up and gave, you know, the most beautiful, lovely speech that an 85-year-old man could give. It was, you know, he was just, uh, it was just lovely. And so sort of that that ceremony piece moves directly into just kind of a, a messy party, which was good because we gave, you know, the, the old folk what they wanted in terms of like a, a very nice religious ceremony. And then we gave my family what they wanted, what was, you know, essentially like, an open bar and, you know, lots of ham sandwiches. Yeah. So in terms of that, that was, I, I was lucky that I kind of stuck to my guns in terms of planning that event. In comparison to the second one, what was really cool was that you're doing it the second time around and people kind of don't give a shit. I mean, they do. Obviously, it matters to the people that matter most. You know, our parents are involved, our children are involved, and our closest friends. But in terms of wedding party crashers, yeah. we weren't going to have that because we ended up going away. Just the two of us, we, you know, we had toyed with lots of different ideas and, and sort of weighed what we wanted and needed and sort of expectations. And because of the circumstances, we were kind of able to let 
our wishes sort of come up on top. So we went away. We were married in Vancouver in the middle of the forest with, you know, the official and one close friend that came with us from Saskatoon and our photographer out there, who's a really close friend. Um, we walked into the forest, we got married, we came out, we ate a hot dog from a hot dog cart and had a beer and like went on our merry way. We actually, we flew to Vancouver on a Tuesday. We were married on a Wednesday and then we spent the next two weeks just hanging out in Vancouver and sitting on the beach reading books. Nice. Which was wonderful. But then of course, at home, we have parents who are happy that we're happy and we have children who have as much, if not even more, invested in this relationship, you know? Right. And they want to they wanna be there for mom and dad when they're when they're doing this this cool thing. So when we got home, we ended up having just a backyard party. I literally I well we had our wedding garb on. Nice. And I barbecued burgers and sausages in my wedding dress. <laughs> It was awesome. I put my wedding dress on and I was getting, um, we had like beef on a bun and I went to go prepare it. And like, I opened a jar of Worcestershire sauce and I sprayed it all down the front of my dress. And I'm like, well, I guess that's all right. (laughs) Hey, most people don't wear their wedding dresses twice. So I've actually worn it three times on our anniversary this year. We drove out to the lake and drank beer and I wore my wedding dress. (laughs) That's amazing. You are you're the coolest wedding event planner I've ever encountered. That's those are amazing like ideas. It was fun the first time around. We were able to like keep it keep it at a level, but the second time to just be able to really just like it was it was just us and these people that we, you know, a couple people that we really care about. But people that we care about and also have no expectations of us, you mm. know. So we were able to just do what we wanted and and then come back and, you know, hand out free burgers and, and beer in our yard with our kids who were just thrilled to have a big party. That was really it was all about them. Right. So it was really cool. That sounds amazing. <laughs> the, the photography I've seen from the wedding, he in his kilt, right? Yes. And you yeah. in your dress is beautiful. Will you, uh, can I link to it from show notes? Certainly. Awesome. Yeah, it's great photography. Who is your photographer? Uh, her name is Kathleen Hinkle, mm-hmm. and she's based, she's at Van City Visuals. Okay. And she's incredible. We found her through a friend that I have here, and we did, uh, we were engaged in Vancouver, actually, uh, like a few years before we went out there to get married. And she did our engagement photos, and it was like, I don't know, photography, professional photography can be so lame and weird. And she was just like, we walked around with a friend, and she snapped photos, and we had beer. So it was when we decided to get married in Vancouver, it's like, well, Kathy has to be there. (laughs) And yeah, she's incredible. To anyone who is in Vancouver or going to Vancouver, you need to, you need to like book an hour with her to just hang out and she'll snap photos of you and, and teach you about the glories of putting a cold beer on your forehead on a hot day. (laughs) Do you think you're actually smarter at marriage the second time around? Because a lot of the times I think when, when you're struggling in your relationship, you go, Oh, I wish I could just like start over. I would do things so much 
<laughs> I would choose so much better or I would like set up assumptions so much better the second time around. Do you, do you think you've done a better job in marriage number two, just laying a foundation than you did in marriage number one? I think so, but I think that as I'm as I'm doing this, my husband is standing right beside me and he's like dancing, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, you know, I think that what we bring to any relationship is really about what we've allowed ourselves to give ourselves. Hmm. You know, that's sort of a convoluted way of saying it. I feel like I'm a better wife because I know myself a lot better than I did the first time around. I'm willing to set my boundaries differently than I did the first time around. And I'm willing to talk, to not only talk about what I need, but listen about you know what my husband needs. And I think when you're in a position where you're confused about yourself, it's really difficult to navigate other people's confusions about themselves. Interesting. I think that I've I've grown as a partner and I, I I grew so much inside of that first relationship and that's that's one thing you know people will say well you must regret it well you know I regret certain aspects of it I regret that you know it got to a point where we couldn't fix it right but I don't regret having met Dean I don't regret having had that kind of relationship with him and obviously we share a son together who is the most amazing little person and he will always be part me and part my ex-husband right you know for some people that's a difficult thing to embrace but for me it's been maybe easier than i've expected it to be hmm. it's a challenging position to find yourself in but at the same time i feel i know myself so much better now than i did a decade ago Right. And that makes me that makes me a better person. It makes me a better mom. It makes me a better wife. It makes me a better ex-wife. Hmm. Um, and that's that's an important aspect, too. Uh, let me break. I would like to thank Campaign Monitor for sponsoring Good Stuff. And I guess we're grownups now. We talk a lot about Campaign Monitor on goodstuff.fm. We prefer them instead of other email companies because of the quality of their product and the amazing people that work on it. Not only has Campaign Monitor enabled us to create newsletters that are beautiful, but working with them is fun and hearing about new features is exciting. If you need to set up a newsletter for yourself or a client, Campaign Monitor is the way to go. Their user interface is easy to navigate and you can get your clients the tools they need to create and send newsletters that get them more involved with their customers. Go to campaignmonitor.com and get started today. Thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff and I guess we're grown-ups now. What do you think is uh, the best thing about being a grown-up? I think the most surprising thing is is just how dynamic the experience is. Again, I think you have this image of, and I, I think it's partially how we sort of set up our world that when you're when you're a kid, all you want to do is be a grown up, mm. and when you're grown up, you're like, oh man, I wish I had enjoyed being a kid. Yeah. And when you're a kid, you have this idea of like, once I turn. 18, 19, 20, whatever, things will stabilize. And, ha, huh. 
that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> it gets crazier because there's more issues and there's more pieces and those pieces are moving and you're juggling them. And on a day where I'm exhausted because my son woke me up seven times last night because he was so fucking excited that it was pajama day today at school. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm feeling the burn of a week with like, all my kids here and it's joyous and very exhausting and it just feels good to know that I feel on on a, like an upward trajectory and I guess that that comes down to you know personal empowerment and choices and all that kind of silly business but it's good to feel like I've gained some wisdom and to recognize not only the wisdom within myself but to be able to to admit to the wisdom of others. It's hmm. something that I think is, you know, it's it's one of those like rites of passage where the day you step out and you recognize what sacrifices your parents made and what a good job they did or what a bad job they did and understanding that dynamic right. is important. But stepping out and being able to to say, I'm I'm wise and I'm good and I'm smart and I've made good decisions and I've made bad decisions. And there are a lot of people around me that I know to different degrees that really help me sort of progress forward. I really enjoy that aspect of being an adult. And often I still don't feel like a grown-up. And then... I come out and I make lasagna for four kids and two adults and, you know, two of the children don't actually like lasagna and one of them will actually cry and gag and (laughs) (laughs) being able to handle that is, it's a pretty small thing, but for anyone, you know, who's obviously dealt with it, when you can deal with it gracefully, it's a nice feeling. It's good to be a grown up most days. Yeah. I think owning your own emotions and not putting them on other people and likewise letting other people own their emotions and not taking them on yourself. Yes. I I mean, the food one is, is classic food with kids, the not making them feel guilty and also not you feeling guilty, recognizing where one person ends and where their emotions ends and the other person begins is so key. Exactly. What do you think is the worst part? about being an adult all of those same things (laughs) everybody take a drink everything i've just said (laughs) (laughs) um i think it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to feel like all on all in your own and obviously your decisions are yours and it's funny because you get to a point where you're able to accept the decisions you make and at the same time have to like face the repercussions of anything you might fuck up on. And there's no, you know, when you're a kid, you can blame whoever. <laughs> but when you're a grown up, it's that's, you know, you take it on yourself. And that's obviously that's really hard. And, you know, in terms of thinking about like divorce and second marriages, it's still difficult to look back and think, what could have I have done? What could have he have done? Like, is this is this a good thing? And, you know, my answer is always the same. You know, I'm happier. Dean's happier. And our son, he thrives, you know, yeah. for him to, to say, 
it is so good that I have two dads who are two different dads and he loves both dads and like, you know, daddy Dean is like this amazing hero in his mind. And at the same time, Dada Phil is like his, his, well, I'm sure that Theo would consider Phil to be his sidekick, though often, most days, Theo is, is Phil's, Phil's sidekick and, you know, that little guy that is like, yeah, do what Dada says, kind of thing. <laughs> and it's, it's really cool to, to experience that and, to see also the relationships that have formed between my my stepkids, who I, I don't like the term stepkids because I feel like they're my kids, right? But right. to see that relationship form between the three of them and my little guy and to navigate the relationships that I'm creating with these, you know, amazing surprise children. <laughs> surprise! Two teenagers and a teenage girl. <laughs> ah! It's it's awesome. It's it's awesome. And yeah, exhausting and hard. And I've always thought that as parents, we, we get the opportunity to to fuck up our kids in our own unique way. Right. And we, you know, whether it's navigating away from the kinds of things that our parents did or mm-hmm. navigating towards a certain whatever. Um, you know, no one, no one comes out the end of that relationship completely unscarred. Totally. Um, and as someone stepping into a family that was pretty fully formed, Phil was a single dad, part-time, half-time to, to his three children for pretty much a decade before I came into the picture. And to step in and be graceful when, when... <laughs> I can, which is, I hope, more often than not, and to contribute something to their lives that is is unique and distinct. We joke, ah, you're not my mom, <laughs> um, and that's that's pretty obvious. I'm I'm not their mom. They have they have a mother and they have another home with another family. So, you know, to figure out how I can step into those lives and and be like a good positive role model that is like I'm mom but I'm not. I'm something sort of different and weird. It's a tricky thing to do, but it's also a really exciting and wonderful thing to do. That's amazing. It's cool when you can forge your own way. There's no pattern to follow. There's no... I'm sure there are social pressures, um, but none that you can't sort of ignore and give the middle finger to and go exactly. in way. Yeah, and like from what I know, Dr. Spock didn't write a, a book on how to stepmom teenagers. Um, so I, you know, I feel in terms of best practices or whatever that might be, um, I'm kind of on my own. But I'm lucky that my husband is an amazing dad and an amazing partner, and of, of course, he's gone through divorce too. Right. So in terms of like a support system and navigating that, he's a wonderful resource. And in terms of relating to Dean now as we co-parent, I'm pretty I'm pretty fortunate and I feel like it's a really it's a great working relationship and I feel like it's still a great friendship. It's a weird friendship. Um you know, Do- like our inside jokes are a little strange. And do I understand correctly that his latest album is about divorce? Yes, 
his latest album is going to be dropped in about a month. And yes, it's, as he says, it's the only uh, divorce-themed dance album ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, really, it's really cool. And I think the coolest thing about it is that as I got to know Dean as a person and as a musician, I've seen him sort of like evolve. Right. And it's interesting that this sort of like latest stage and this process has been him growing personally, but it's been through this like traumatic thing that we've gone through together and also separately. Obviously, he's grown in a different direction and I've grown in a different direction. And all That's the while... That's the whole point of divorce, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, it's comforting to have our own lives, but also that we're tied still, you know, we're tied through our child mm -hmm. and we can, you know, it makes me really proud to see him as, as an artist and a person just sort of figure it out because I obviously I didn't marry someone that I planned to divorce. I married someone that I wanted to be friends with forever. And that friendship has, has evolved and is very different than it once was or we planned it to be. But it's really cool to see him sort of shine, I guess. Right. It's, it's kind of a silly, a silly thing maybe. But um, it's cool that we've both stepped out in the ways we always wanted to and we thought we would, you know, within that relationship. And I think in a lot of ways, stepping out of that relationship gave us the ability to do exactly what we needed to do to, like, continue to breathe air. Right. It's a way of having a clean slate without undoing a bunch of good that also happened. Exactly. And Phil and I both had previous marriages and we're kind of, we're all tied together in, in ways that are, you know, it's, it's good and it's healthy, but also sort of like uncomfortable, obviously. One night I had, I had a, a dream that all of our families moved to a ranch in the Midwest and like had this like huge divorcee like ranch where we were all living together and it was it was comical and nightmarish at the same time <laughs> but in a lot of ways that's reflective of our lives our kids all have two homes and they have separate sets of parents and there's you know different obviously different rules of different houses and and we navigate that as best we can within our household where the rules, of course, you know, Phil, again, was a single dad for 10 years. And I was on my own with Theo for about a year before we moved in. So, you know, there's like all kinds of developed senses of, of parenting styles and ideas. And we're all entangled and enwound here, at least for the next <laughs> You just started kindergarten, so 13 years. We're nearing the end of our journey with, with some of our kids and just starting it with others, but it's good to feel comfortable in the places we, we've ended up. What do you think are the key things, sort of habits you have or internal rules you make for yourself? Rules is too strong a word, but to make that kind of environment work like how do you operate within an organization for lack of a better term with so many moving parts right it, that's moving parts that's it sometimes feels like a bit of a, a factory and 
in terms of of my stepkids, I always defer to Phil. Mm-hmm. And in that, I've learned to step in and and make my voice be heard in terms of my own boundaries and my own boundaries as a parent. I can step in and say, like, don't wipe up, wipe up milk with your socks. Whereas maybe when we first came together, I would have been like, you know, Phil, I saw one of the kids, they spilled milk, and they wiped it up with their sock, and I was too scared to say anything. It's the the merging process is something that's kind of like constantly shifting, which, you know, keeps you on your toes. Hopefully yeah. not, you know, in socks covered in milk. But I, I defer to Phil in, in matters of of you know big decisions obviously with with my stepkids and and he defers to me in terms of Theo and obviously then those there are those external relationships where like you know Dean and I need to talk about you know our son's school or navigating through daycare and who pays for what or how we're going to divide that and you know, the best place for, for me on the other end of that is just to be supportive to Phil. And you, you got to put your marriage first. And that's a difficult concept for anyone who has kids, whether it's first marriage, second marriage, seventh marriage. The concept of putting yourself and your relationship first above those children is tricky because parenting, as we know, is kind of an all-encompassing wonderful, terrible thing. Right, right. <laughs> but I feel like we've been able to put our relationship first and that is reflective in our parenting and our kids are, you know, they're they're cool with that. It's never anything that is like harmful to them. It's always it always just means that we are able to create a really strong base, a really stable home when that couple is connected. And I, I believe this in, like I said, in any kind of marriage or, or relationship when there's children involved, if that grown-up relationship is stable and healthy, that is great for the kids. So it's sort of the balance of the couple first versus you know dealing with the day-to-day bullshit that all kids have. And there's so much of it. And the more you have, the more bullshit there is. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. I love that. Everything you just said is awesome. And I agree. It's like for any couple. How much better do you feel as, as a mom or partner when like you and your partner are able to like take time and just go for a walk on your own? Or go for dinner or like sneak out and eat popsicles by yourself and not have to buy popsicles for everyone else or whatever it is, you know, that that bond becomes closer. And suddenly when there's drama, which there always is with kids, it offers clarity and calmness and patience. Right. It's like putting money in a bank to use later. Exactly. Exactly. There's kids (laughs) kids <laughs> kids sometimes are off put by that and oh you guys get to do cool things and right. we don't do but like whatever you get to do lots of cool things shush it life right. is cool deal with it yeah and i think it's fair to tell them this is like important you don't see it directly but it's important to you guys too that definitely that we have definitely. this time to ourselves yeah and i think and certainly my my big kids get that 
Right. And I think that's something when I came into the into the picture, they were in a lot of ways sort of mostly formed people. Obviously, they're not grownups yet, but in terms of of their worldview and and a lot of things were sort of like they had sort of solidified. So when this relationship started, there was sort of like an understanding that this was important. This was something that they all in different ways wanted. They're not always completely understanding, but they're always supportive of if we need to get, go out for a walk or whatever. And we also, we're very blessed that um, we have all our kids for a week. So oh. there's like, a, and we're in the tail end of one of those right now where we have all of our kids. And then we have a few extra nights with just my little guy. And then my little guy goes to his dad's for sort of like an extended weekend every couple of weekends. Yeah. And we're able to use that time to like be a couple. Because, right, of course, when you get married the first time, generally you're young and you don't have kids. Right. So your focus is different and your focus on each other is different. But when you find yourself in a relationship, in a second marriage or whatever, where there's already kids and they're already at different stages and uh, ages, like yeah. thrown into you know, music lessons and sports and selling girl guide cookies and sort of like all these things that parents are busy with all the time. And especially, you know, we're in the fall right now. So all parents' pockets are very open and and paying for, you know, all kinds of fees and instruments and whatever. So to be able to have that break kind of every second week to have a couple nights to just like really to eat chips and watch British sitcoms right. and drink too much whiskey like <laughs> the stuff you did before you had kids in your the first stuff marriage. you did before you had kids yeah. and or the stuff that you would do as as a couple you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's a nice little break and it's something that often people who are like you know first marriage with you know, their kids are, oh, man, wouldn't it be great to send our kids away every second weekend? Well, you know, A, yes, it, it, it's nice to have a break. But B, like, we want our kids with us all the time. Never when I, like, I gave birth to my son on Mother's Day did I ever look at him, you know, the first moments and be like, I can't wait to send you to your dad's for the weekend and have a little bit of time for myself. Obviously, we want our kids with us all the time. And at the same time, we want them to just go away. <laughs> right. Isn't that, isn't that, this is not the parenting podcast, but yeah, that's exactly the tension of being a parent is the wanting them close to you all the time. That's, and to be them to be your world and you to be their world, but also knowing that that is not healthy or yes. it needs balance. And, and the balance to that is totally opposite. It's like separation. Yes. That's healthy too. Yes. They are beautiful, amazing pains in the ass. And I, I thrive just as much on the, on the beauty and wonder as I do on the, on the ass pain. Yeah. So it's, it's a nice, it is, hey, bounce, right? Right. That's what we're striving for, I guess. It is. <laughs> this has been awesome. But we should probably wrap it up. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about particularly? Any? Um, 
I guess to to any to any grown up <laughs> who finds themselves, you know, whether it's in a first marriage or out, just out of a first marriage or getting into a second marriage or whatever with any amount of kids or any equation of children, I encourage you to take time for yourself to spoil yourself a little bit and to not be afraid to find good people to talk to about whatever it is you're going through. That's one thing that looking back on that first relationship is that I didn't have enough support in place through my marriage, through giving birth to my son and suffering for uh, a year from postpartum depression, for having friendships of different kinds, deep friendships of whatever friendships where you can eat a Tim Hortons breakfast sandwich and bitch about the weather kind of friendships or whatever. It's really good to... to Take time for yourself and take time for yourself with other people who aren't your your spouse or your kids or directly related to, you know, managing your relationship or your children. Um, try to find a, a happy place for yourself. And that's a difficult concept for a lot of people who maybe don't give themselves enough. Mm. We're selfish. This is a selfish culture, but in all the wrong ways. We buy ourselves things and we watch TV and have devices and that kind of thing, but none of that is really giving to ourselves in the way that we need the time and the space and the, the mental capacity to, to sort of create really what our, our grown-up self is in relation to all the moving parts that we have around us. And as we grow, those moving parts just become more numerous. Wow, that's amazing advice. That's really, really good. Probably for, yeah, all of us, no matter what kind of relationship we're in or not in. Finding a way to give back to yourself is a different kind of selfishness than wallowing or consuming. Yeah, well, we we live in such a, it's like a treat culture, right? Mm, yeah. We worked hard this week, so we get a treat. Or mm. we did this, so we get a treat. And treats are really nice. I like treats. Sure. But that doesn't really do anything in terms of, like, really giving to yourself. Yeah. And those gifts that we give to ourselves are often really difficult because we've never, we've never... That's maybe that's what it is to be a grown up is to move beyond the idea that giving to, your, to yourself is just giving yourself a treat versus, you know, giving yourself something that will really, really affect who you are and your quality of life. And there's unlimited amount of treats, but the effect they can have is very limited hmm. and it's difficult to seek and find and develop those other things that really give to ourselves in a way that also sort of grows you to give to others. Right. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. This has been so good. Yay. Uh, thank you for being here. Do you have ways that people can contact you or follow you on Twitter or whatever? Yes, definitely. So on Twitter, I am Coludos, C-O-L-L-U-D-O-S. 
Uh, you can check out my website, which is Kaludo, C-O-L-L-U-D-O dot C-A. If you're on LinkedIn, you can find me at Sheena Greer. And on my website, there's all kinds of email and phone numbers and addresses that you can stalk me at. <laughs> I will. Right now, I'm going to stalk you. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, all your great insights and uh, for being a part of, I guess, we're grownups now. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. Thank you to Sheena for joining me, to goodstuff.fm and to Campaign Monitor for supporting the show. Show notes for this episode are at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash three. We are now on iTunes where you can subscribe and you can leave a review if you like the show. Also, you can find us on Twitter at grownups underscore FM. Thanks for listening.